We're starting a brand new series called Change, uh, and tonight's message is called Knowing God is Working. And uh, man, I'm, I'm really excited for this, this series uh, because, man, I, personally, I love change. I like meeting new people. I like new experience, experiences. I like uh, eating different kinds of food. Uh, I, I, I like uh, um, trying new things, going new places. Uh, in fact, um, I, uh, I took um, a lift, the car service lift, for the first time a few weeks ago. And uh, it was really pretty fun, kind of interesting, definitely weird. Uh, I, I, as soon as I got in, I asked the guy how long he'd been doing Lyft, and he started telling me about uh, his time as a trucker, and I learned way more about truck stop showers than I ever needed to know. Like, it's, very, uh, it's a very intricate system, uh, and there's a lot of uh, shower coin sharing. <laughs> seems, seems odd, but uh, if you want to know more about that, uh, come next week. No, just kidding. You can, you know, ask a Lyft driver. And that'll be good, but uh, but it was an interesting change of pace, uh, ride and lift, not driving, and uh, and so uh, we're we're gonna be looking at change. Uh, but before we get too far, I just like to highlight for you: uh, there, there's basically three types of change that we experience as humans, and I'm sure that you've experienced at least a couple uh, this week. And uh, and as college students, we experience these uh, maybe more than any time uh, in our lives, right? Because every four months, your schedule changes, right? Uh, every uh, 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 every every few uh, few months, maybe you get a new job, uh, new relationship, new group of friends, a uh, new set of responsibilities. Uh, change is pretty common and uh, and not always pleasant. Uh, can I get an amen? Yeah, amen, right? But there are three types of change that we experience, and, and I'm just going to give them to you all at once. You ready? Uh, so uh, there's the change that you choose, uh, there's the change that is chosen for you, and there's the change that happens to you. Now they'll leave it up for you uh, while I kind of unpack this just for a second, but uh, the change that you choose uh, is pretty self-explanatory. It's the, the decisions that, that you make. You might choose to eat healthy or choose to eat donuts, right? You might choose to ask them out, even though you normally wouldn't do that, right? Uh, you, you, you might choose to think differently. You might choose a new, new class schedule. It's, uh, you, you have uh, the power to choose certain things in your life, and, and oftentimes we make these personal changes uh, by, uh, by, uh, via our own choice. Then uh, there's the, the change that is chosen for you. Uh, your parents cho- choose to move away. Your significant other decides that maybe you're not so significant anymore. Aw, right? It's very sad. Your boss decides to go another direction. Very rude. Your teacher decides to curve the test uh, and bless them because now you have a passing grade, right? Like these are the things that are chosen for you. You guys with me? Uh, and then there's the change that happens to you, and this is sometimes the hardest uh, to sort of wrap our brain around. It can be positive, it can be negative. So the change that happens to you, you find $100 in the ground. Anybody ever find $100 in the ground? One, 20? Five? One? Oh man, you gotta, you gotta keep your eyes open. There's always money to be found. But uh, uh, the change that happens to you, your car breaks down in the rain. Uh, you didn't see it coming. Nobody intended for it to happen, but it, but it just happens. Uh, you're, you're, uh, or um, you get sick, even though you live a healthy lifestyle. Uh, the, the market crashes, and your family can't help you with your school anymore. You guys with me? It's a change that nobody intended to make, but it happens anyway. Uh, and, and so there's three types uh, of change that we experience. Change that you choose, change that is chosen for you, and change that happens to you. And over the course of the next uh, three weeks, we're kind of going to look at what God has to say to all of these things. But uh, before we get into the specifics, I thought it'd be worth, uh, worth um, talking about, man, what God wants to do in all change. So are you guys up for that? Uh, and, and so we're going we're gonna to do that uh, tonight. And, and part of the thing that, that makes 
uh, change so hard to deal with. Like sometimes uh, change doesn't feel exciting. It feels terrifying. And, and, and part of the reason that we get anxious when, when big changes uh, are, are happen to us or, or we're forced to choose to do something different, part of the reason that change is so difficult for us is because we don't know where it's going to lead us. You guys with me? Like, uh, we, we, like uh, we were talking last night at small group, and, and we, we came to this, this conclusion that uh, sometimes you, you choose something and you don't actually know if it's a good choice, right? But you just have to make a choice. Like sometimes we just don't, we just don't trust the choice that we made. Or, or, or other times, uh, we just don't trust the choice that was made for us, right? We don't think that maybe the person that is choosing for you has your best interest in mind or that they're making a wise decision. And so it's, the, the change is hard. Do you, you guys with me? Uh, and sometimes uh, the, the hardest change to, to deal with is the change that happens to you because uh, you don't know where it's coming from or, or really where it's going. You don't know when it's going to end, when it's going to resolve, when it's going to get better. And, and so, man, so change can be very difficult, uh, but, but what if you could know, uh, man, if, if the change that you're going through is leading somewhere good, wouldn't that give you confidence to keep moving? Uh, wouldn't it give you hope to, uh, to face uh, what you're going through with courage and boldness, uh, without fear? Uh, it might be painful, but you know it's going to end, right? It would be pretty encouraging, would it not? And, and uh, one person thinks it'd be encouraging. Man, I think it'd be hugely encouraging, right? You guys, you guys know. Uh, but uh, but here's the deal. This is the the thing that I'd like to to unpack tonight. And this is the next fill-in for you. You can write this down. Uh, but but when God works in my life, every change leads somewhere good. Man, so so when God works in my life, every change leads somewhere good. And, and here's the deal. Whether someone. Uh, whether you're choosing to change, whether someone is choosing for you, or whether change just happens to you, if you know that God is working in your life, you know it's leading somewhere good. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, the change in the moment feels good or is good or is positive, but it does mean that, man, because God is good and God is perfect, that, that he can orchestrate even the worst things to lead somewhere good. Are you with me? And, and there's, uh, this is actually an idea that's, that's all over the Bible, but, but there's one really famous coffee cup t-shirt verse uh, that, uh, man, that I'd like to, to look at um, with fresh eyes tonight, and, and it's, uh, it's right here in, in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll uh, dive into the rest of, of the message. It says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among uh, many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Let me pray before we go any further, and then we'll, we'll dive back in. Father God, thank you so much uh, for this promise, uh, man, that, that you, are, you are capable of working together, man, the bad and the good, all for the good of those who love you. God, I pray that you would give us confidence to know uh, that, that we're those sorts of people, that you're working, uh, you're working out every change in our life for our benefit. Uh, God, that we might live confidently, man, at peace, without anxiety. God, that we might face a difficult things with great hope and great confidence uh, that you're doing a good thing. God, thanks for these people that are here, uh, man, even in the midst of a busy schedule. God, thank you, man, that they've uh, opened up their hearts to hear from your word. God, I pray that you would speak uh, and, uh, and encourage them exactly where they're at. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Now, um, there are a lot of big verses 
in, in the, the, the passage that I just read, and, and I'll unpack it. But before we get too, too far, I just want to look at that first line. God works all things together for good, the good of those who love them. Now, this isn't a, a verse specifically about change, but, but all things includes every change. Are you guys with me? So I'd like to look, look at it through the lens of change. Those are the fresh eyes that I'd like to look at this passage uh, through. And, and we know that, that uh, in all things, God works uh, for the good of those who love him, which, which means that, uh, uh, that he can redeem the most broken, the most incomplete, the most unpleasant thing uh, that you experience, right? In fact, uh, he can make even good things good, right? Like, uh, you ever hear the, the phrase good to great? Like, that's sort of what happens when you trust your life to Jesus. And now, uh, uh, redemption, this is like a redemption in a nutshell. Uh, and, uh, and redemption is sim- simply when something uh, bad is, is transformed into something good. And a modern-day example, anybody a fan of Fixer Upper? Yeah, okay. I, I've watched, like, every episode. Love those, uh, uh, those Baylor fans, uh, Chip and Joanna, right? Like, and, uh, and so uh, they, they, they get a, a trash, junky house. Like, there's, the stairs are falling down. They knock out some walls, an open floor concept, find some shiplap, paint it white, right? Like, you call it good. And, uh, and the whole time, right, like, the people are like, I don't know if we chose the right house. Like, I mean, we should trust them. They always do a good job, but, like, I don't know. It's a pretty war. like, maybe, you guys are with me? And then they do the reveal, and they're, like, they're like weeping and, like, laughing. They're like, our lives are forever changed, right? Like, you guys, are you guys with me? Like, this is an example of a redemption of something bad becoming something good. This is, man, what God does uh, in the life of believers. Or, uh, or, or for a different example, just because I, I liked it, right? But, uh, uh, you, you know, like, uh, Stale bread is not super great. Like, it's, like, you wouldn't make a sandwich with stale bread. But, right, like, a good, a good chef with some stale bread makes the best French toast, does he not? It, stale bread makes the best French or croutons, or you could break it up into to panko and make some delicious fried chicken, right? Like, uh, uh, and, and here's the point. Like, uh, the more skilled the craftsman, the more skilled the chef, uh, the, the more skilled the worker, uh, the more they can make out of things that seem worthless. You guys with me? And, and God, who is all-powerful and, and, and uh, all-knowing and, and uh, deeply, who deeply loves you, man, is able to take every change that you go, go through throughout your life to make you into to, to something good, to lead you somewhere good. Are you with me? Man, this is what this verse promises you and me. And there's a history of this happening, right? Like throughout the scriptures, we see God taking terrible circumstances and using them for good. You think of a dude named Joseph, Joseph Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? I picture that's, that's how you have to wear a Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? But uh, he, so this guy, right, he's, he's a little arrogant, uh, and, and so his brothers don't like him, and they sell him into slavery. First they try and kill him, then they sell him into slavery. And, and then he gets wrongful, wrongfully imprisoned by his boss for a crime he didn't commit, right? Like, so he's in jail for, a, you know, a couple, ten, you know, some ten years or so, and, and, right? It's like, that's pretty rough. And, uh, and then uh, he finds himself somehow uh, in charge, uh, the second in, in command in, in Egypt, and, and God uses this string of terrible circumstances uh, to save uh, Egypt and, and his entire nation from famine, pretty cool, right? So God takes, and the, the punctuation of this story is uh, what, what uh, men, they intended for evil, God intended for good, right? Like God intended for good. This has been the story of God taking all things and working them together for the good of those who love him. Or, or you got Moses, right? Moses is, uh, let my people go, that guy, you know, prince of Egypt, you guys with me? Not if you're with me. 
All right, some of you are with me. Okay, so Moses, he, uh, uh, he gets adopted by the family that tried to kill him, right? That's, that's rough. And then, and then he, uh, he finds himself really angry, and he murders a soldier in Egypt, and he has to go on the run. And then he spends 40 years in a desert with some sheep, pretty much alone, right? It's pretty boring. You imagine, stinky, boring, sheep, shepherd life. 40 years in, in Egypt, and, and, then, and then God uses him. He, he, he works these things together to, to, uh, to raise up a leader, to, to save his people from Egypt and lead them out of uh, slavery. Pretty cool, right? God takes, man, what, what was meant for evil, even the evil that Moses did, and he turned it to good. And, and this is the thing that God wants to do in each of your lives, uh, that uh, when God is at work in your life, he'll turn your mistakes and your heart breaks, he'll, he'll, he'll turn your, your triumphs and, and, man, the treasures that you possess, and, and he'll turn them into something good, better than you would have ever expected. But, right, this is where the tension, we find the tension. It begs the question, how do I know this promise is for me? Like, how do I know God is working in my life? You ever think about that? Like, how do I know that God is working in my life? Like, if I believe this is true, how do I know it's true for me? Because, man, until God's word becomes true for you, man, it, it won't have any bearing on how you live your life, on what you experience, and, and on what God does in your life. You just, you just can't receive from him if you don't believe his words are true for you. And so tonight, I'd really like to answer this question. How do you know that God is working in your life? How do you know? Because it's in this passage. And if you know it, uh, then, then every time you go through a change that's, that's difficult or terrifying, or uncertain, and most change is uncertain, right, because you don't know what's going to happen. You, you have to step out into the great unknown at some point, whether it's chosen for you or you choose it. Uh, but, but, man, every time you experience change in your life, you'll know that God, whether, whether I made the right choice or the wrong choice, that God is going to ultimately work this together for my good, right? And, and so here's, um, uh, there's two things that will help you know that God is at work in your life. And I just like to, to let these things sort of uh, I, I challenge you and convict you and, and, uh, and, and maybe uh, inspire just confidence in you that God is at work in your life. And, uh, and we'll go, go from there. Sound good? All right, here's the first thing. I mean, this is the, the one, one of the things you need to, to know. That's another God is at work in your life. And it's this. I know that God is working because I love him. It says in the passage, it says, uh, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And, 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 uh, and here's the thing that, that, man, I'd like to say to you first, is that uh, know, sometimes knowing uh, what it means to love God is actually difficult. Because uh, we have a lot of uh, kind of weird examples of what love looks like. And, and, in fact, you, you, as soon as I read that point and you started filling it in, you might have thought, well, like, do I really love him? Because uh, we, we have these weeks, right, where, uh, where, where you, you just don't pay much attention to God and what he's saying. Like, you, you didn't read the Bible. You didn't pray. You didn't go to church. Well, you did. But, <laughs> but like, you, you didn't serve him. You didn't love people. And you, you look at sort of the checklist of things that Christians are supposed to do. And you're like, I didn't do any of the right Christian things, right? Like, do I really love the, the Lord? Like, do I, 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 didn't, I didn't listen to him. I didn't look for him. Uh, do I Love him. And, and so we begin to, to second guess uh, the genuineness of our faith, especially in, in a culture that thinks that Christians are all hypocrites, right? Like, you don't want to be that guy who thinks that you love God, but really you just love 
yourself. And so, man, there's, there's uh, three things that love is not that I'd like to point out to you. And, and, and then there's one thing that love is. And, and hopefully this can, can help you to, to recognize, man, a heart of love for the Lord. Uh, or uh, can help you recognize that, that maybe, man, maybe you don't have a deep affection for your Heavenly Father. And, and that's part of the reason that, man, change is so difficult. And, and so here's the first, first one. You ready? The first one is this. Uh, love for God is not giving him more. Love for God is not giving him more. Now, uh, intuitively, you've probably guessed or you probably know uh, that you give to what you love. Uh, let me say that again. Uh, you, you probably sort of intuitively know that you give to what you love. Uh, in other words, uh, you, you give your attention to the people you love, right? Or uh, you give your money to the products you love, right? Diet Coke, delicious, right? <laughs> you, you give your time to the projects you love, the things that you work the hardest at are the things that are the most important to you. Are you with me? Uh, that you give to what you love, but, but here's the difference. Giving isn't love. Giving is, is it, it's, it's a natural reaction uh, when we love something, uh, but, but love for God isn't measured by what you're able to give because sometimes you just can't give anything, right? In fact, uh, God doesn't actually need anything. The Apostle Paul, he says this about about God, and it's, it's a pretty cool statement. He says in Acts 17 to a group of Greek, Greek people, he says, and God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Isn't that good news? Like, God doesn't need anything from you. I love that. It says, he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. And then check this out. He says, rather, he himself gives. He himself gives. He gives everyone life and breath, and I love this, and he says, and everything else. In other words, every good gift comes from above, from the Lord, from the God who, who loves you and created you. Uh, and this is important to understand because, you see, uh, a, a lot of us, we, we, we get stuck in, in this cycle of, I got to give more. I got to give more. I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. God, God's probably going to reject me. He's probably not going to work for me because I don't, I don't love him enough. I don't give enough. And, and if we're not praying or tithing or, or reading our Bible, if we're not serving, then we begin to think, well, maybe I'm a bad Christian and God doesn't have anything good for me. Have you ever been there? Right? Like, we, we, we begin to think that, that, that uh, God's affection and his help in our life has to do with uh, how much we can give. But, but love isn't about how much you can give. Because the, the reality is uh, uh, there are times when you just don't have anything to give at all. Right? You, you, you come to... to uh, you roll out of bed and you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to get through today, let alone spend time with the God that I love. And, and, and the thing that I love about, about God is that God doesn't need anything from you to be loved by you. Isn't that good news? But his love isn't measured in giving. Uh, now, uh, naturally, man, when we love him, if we have something to give off, and we, man, we'll gladly give. But, but God doesn't actually need anything from you to be loved by you. And, and, and so you can know that God is working uh, all, all these life changes together for your good, man, even when you're really not given a whole lot, right? Uh, now, here's the second thing. There, there's another thing that we often mistake for love, uh, and, and it's this. Love for God is not appreciating his gifts uh, or, or being thankful for his gifts, to say it a different way. And sometimes we doubt our affections for the Lord because uh, we just don't feel super positive about uh, what he's doing, 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but, but uh, you, you just, you, you know God's doing something, but you're not sure you actually appreciate it, right? Like, you, you're not overjoyed by the blessing that's in front of you. You wanted one thing, and he gave you uh, an, another, right? I, uh, I remember um, Patty gave me a gift for my birthday, my first birthday in uh, Fresno, and we had just gone on a date to uh, Shaver Lake, spent all day at Shaver Lake. Anybody like people? Very enthusiastic. Lake people are very enthusiastic. I love it. <laughs> very good. Uh, so we went to this lake all day. Like it was a great day, beautiful day. And uh, and she so she uh, she gives me this birthday gift, and it's a, a canvas print uh, of a photo that we took on uh, that date. It was it was a great day, but a terrible gift. Here's why. Okay. And and as soon as she gave me the gift, I unwrapped it. Right. You you unwrap the front and. Uh, I've told it as much also, but you unwrap the front, I unwrap the front, and as soon as I unwrapped it, I started giving the oblig, oblig, uh, obligatory, <laughs> sorry, uh, obligatory thank you, right? Like, oh, this is so nice, like, thank you. Like, you guys ever do that? Like, you open your grandma's Christmas present, and you're like, oh, that's amazing. Now, here's why I, I didn't appreciate the gift, okay? It's because, uh, uh, for, first, I, I hated the photo. Second, I had nowhere to hang it. Like, there's no wall that I could hang it on. And, and, and so here's, here's the photo. I was wearing a tank top, and uh, I had uh, white, untanned arms because it was, like, the first sunny day of the year. And so my arms looked like gummy bears, right? My, I had sunglasses on that were sideways, and, uh, and I had this goofy grin on my face. My, my wife looked beautiful, but, but I could never hang this photo anywhere. I just couldn't hang it, couldn't do it. And, and so, man, the gift, man, it's just not a gift that I appreciated. It wasn't flattering of me. Uh, and now let me ask you a question. Uh, just because I didn't appreciate the gift, uh, does that mean that I don't love my wife? No, right? Like that, that, that's, that's such a, that would, that would be such a poor way to judge our affections for the people that are the most important to us. Because sometimes we just don't understand the gift that they've given us. And sometimes, man, God is blessing you, he's giving you gifts, and you just, you just don't know how to appreciate it yet. You just haven't grown to appreciate, man, the goodness that God has extended to us in the person of Jesus and his word in the body of Christ. Uh, I mean, God, so, like just for example, like imagine this, God, God gives you an answer, but you didn't really want that answer. Right? Ever, you ever had that experience? Or God gives you a path, but you're afraid to take it. Or, or God gives you the friend that challenges you, but doesn't celebrate you, right? Like, just they're not, they're not the sort of uh, you're amazing in every situation friend, right? Or God gives you the church that isn't focused on a mission that solves your problem, right? Like, like God gifts you something and you just don't appreciate it because you haven't understood or learned and how to be thankful for that gift yet. But just because, man, you, you're not excited about what God is doing or what God is giving, it doesn't mean that you don't love him. You guys with me? Uh, love, uh, appreciation is something that, that man, spills out when we love someone, but, but it doesn't, just because you lack appreciation doesn't mean you don't, lo- you don't love the Lord, which means that you can know that God is working in your life in, in every change, uh, even when you don't feel great about what he's doing. Are you with me? And here's the third thing. Uh, th- th- there's another thing that we mistake for love, uh, and, and love for God is, is not doing more for him. It, it's not doing more for him. Uh, and, and this is uh, uh, sort of a mentality that we get in as, as church people. We, we, uh, I like to call this the holiness quotient. We think that if I, uh, if I measure up in terms of uh, being holy, being a good person, uh, then, uh, then that will prove my love 
for the Lord. We think that loving God is measured by our faithfulness and our obedience. And it's, it's understandable that, that oftentimes we think that uh, being really good Christians, doing more for God, uh, proves that we love him because uh, there's verses that seem to suggest it, right? Like you have Paul in 2 Corinthians, he, he says, for Christ's love compels us. And he, he says this uh, to a group of people he, that he's trying to convince to be obedient. He's like, the, no, the, the love of God, it compels you to be obedient. It, it compels you to do, uh, to do things in the name of Jesus, right? Or, or Jesus said it this way. He said, uh, if you love me, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory, right? He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? So, and, and we read this and we think, well, like, I, I must not love God because, man, I have a lot of times I don't do what he told me to do, right? Like, you, you guys with me? Like, there's just a lot, of, I'm, no, I'm not doing that, right? Like, I am not interested in forgiving that joker, right? He's a joker, right? Like, I, or, man, I am not interested in, in saying no to that activity because it sounds incredibly fun, right? Or, like, we just, there's times where we're just not obedient to him, and so when we sin, we, we begin to, to question our love for him. When we don't follow his, his, his commands, it makes us question our motives in every other area uh, of our lives. But, but here's just a simple example, right? Uh, I'll use it a couple times tonight. But uh, just because uh, a child lacks the maturity to be obedient, it doesn't mean they don't love their parent, right? You guys know what I mean? Like, they, they, may, they may be incapable uh, of following the directions. They're just, they just haven't grown up enough to do it. Uh, but but when, um, uh, when, when dad comes home from work, what's, what's the reaction, right? They still want to be with him. They still want to spend time with him. Are you guys ever have that experience with your parents, right? This is, man, a kid, just because a kid's disobedient doesn't mean he doesn't love their parent. And, and here's, here's the deal. Just because you have invested a sinful habit uh, just because you haven't overcome an area of, of disobedience in your life, it doesn't mean that you don't love the Lord. It just means that, man, you need to, to allow him to grow something in you. Are you with me? And, and so those are three things that love is not. And, and don't, be mis, mis, don't make the mistake of thinking they are because, man, th- that's, uh, uh, that's what's called uh, earning, right? You're trying to, to, um, to, or to proving, proving your love. Uh, now, here's what love is. This is as simple as I can say it, and I wish I could say it more simply, but uh, love for God is this. It's enjoying him because he is lovely. It's enjoying him uh, beyond what he gives you, uh, beyond what he does for you, uh, beyond how well your life is going. It's just enjoying him because he is lovely. Now, uh, this is a sort of a hard concept to to explain, but I, I, uh, I heard a preacher um, uh, give a message from Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's in the Old Testament. And this is a section in the Bible where Moses tells the people of God, he says, uh, God did not set his love upon you because you were great. In fact, you were the smallest, you were the least, you were the worst, right? He's like, you're the worst nation out there, right? This is like what God is saying in Deuteronomy 7. But then it says this, uh, but it was because God set his love upon you that he brought you out of Egypt. Uh, now, uh, the preacher stopped and he said, did you hear that circular reasoning? He's like, you're no good. Uh, you're, you're, you're not impressive, uh, but because he loved you, he saved you. Uh, in effect, God was saying, uh, let me put it in a different, different way. He's saying, uh, God, God said to his people, I love you because I love you, because I love you, because I, I love you. It's circular because uh, God loves them. It, it starts with him. It goes around and it comes back to him. It's not because of anything they did. It's not because of who, of who they are or how impressive they were. It's just because of who God is. He, he loves them because he loves them.
because he loves them. Now, uh, let me put it in sort of a modern example. You guys okay with that? So, so uh, now um, imagine someday, uh, fellas, someday, ladies, this will apply to you too, but uh, fellas, sometimes your, your wife comes to you and she says, uh, honey, do you love me? Right? Do you love me? And of course you're going to say, yeah, sweetie, sweetie, I love you more than anything, right? Fellas, that's what you're going to say, right? Not with me. You've got to know this. Yeah, I would love you, love you more than anyone, right? <laughs> love you. And, 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 then, and then the question that follows, do you know what it is? Why? Why do you love me? Why? Tell me why. I'm great, right? Why? Why do you love me? And, 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 and this is where you have to be careful, right? You have to be careful because everything is on the line in this moment, fellas. Are you with me? If, if she asks you why, and this works for guys with girlfriends too, right? Or when she says why, it, you'll be tempted to answer this way, right? You'll say, uh, uh, honey, I love you because your mind is sharp as a tack. We can have such intellectual conversations. I, I love our conversations. Or, uh, honey, uh, I love that you're athletic because we can do all kinds of things that I couldn't do with other people, right? Like play tennis, right? Like, uh, or, <laughs> uh, honey, uh, too far. Uh, I love you because you're my sugar mama. You bring home all the bacon, right? Or, uh, <laughs> honey, I love, you, I love you because you're beautiful and healthy. Honey, I love you because you love the Avengers as much as me, right? Like, you, 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 could, you could think of a lot of, a lot of explanations, right? And, and uh, at, at first glance, uh, uh, honey's going to say, uh, she's going to really love that, right? Oh, you think I'm beautiful? Uh, you, you, you think I'm fit? Like, you think I'm smart, as sharp as a tack? Really? Like, that's amazing. Thank you, honey, right? Like, but, but then when she thinks, right, when she starts to think about it, she'll think, what if I get sick? What if I gain 20 pounds? Uh, what if I say something stupid? What if I lose my wits, right? Like, what if I decide that, that Iron Man was, was the, the, the linchpin, right? Like, what, what do I do? What if I do? I ruined everything. Okay, here we go. What if I, you guys are with me though, right? Oh my gosh. Okay, you see, you, okay, bring it back. When, when, you, when, you say I, when, I, when you say I love you because you're useful to me, that's not love. Right? When you say, yeah, I love you because of what I can get from you, that's not love. The only response the husband can give is, I love you because I love you because I love you. I feel really bad. Okay. But I love you guys. Uh, anyway, uh, the, 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 the only response uh, when you think about God loving you that way uh, is to love him back. When you see that God loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, it changes how you feel about him. And it changes your heart for him. You begin to fall in love with him. And that's what we try and do when we worship together, when we have moments of worship. We're trying to cultivate a moment where you look at Jesus and you see that he loves you because of who he is, and it's not changing he loves you not because of what you've done or who you are, but, but he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And, and when you begin to look at him and you get to know him, you, you begin to enjoy him just because he is lovely, because he's loving. And, and, and here's the deal. Man, if you love, that, if you love God that way, man, then, then you, you, your confidence should grow that God is at work for your good. Now, uh, there's a second condition to, to being a, a person uh, who, who knows that God is working all things, every change together for the good. And, and, and the first one is that, man, man, you love him just because of who 
he is. But the second it says is that um, uh, you, you, uh, you're called according to his purposes. Now, what does that mean? It means that I know that God is working because his purpose defines my life. And these will be quick, I promise. Now, if you are a Christian, then God's purpose, it defines your life. There's, there's no way around it. Uh, that's why the Lord's prayer includes the line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's like, God, I, w- I want what you want here right now where I am. That, that's, and and, and, and uh, man, Jesus told us, uh, told us to, to, make, uh, to make disciples, teaching them everything I, I taught you. And, and in, some, in some way, man, when, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when our lives are defined by his purpose, we, we, we want to be a part of that process. And, and Jesus, he, he, he commands us, man, uh, love, man, to love him with our, our whole heart and to love our neighbor as ourself, right? And, and these things are defining to us. They're important to us. Now, what it doesn't mean is that you're good at them, right? Like, you, sometimes you, you, your life may be about something, but you're, you're not actually very good at it, right? Like, uh, you, you guys... You guys with me? Can you think of it? I think uh, about um, uh, me growing up. I, I loved basketball. I was all about it. We played, I played with my, my friend Dan every weekend. I've told you this before. And we'd play like 10 games a weekend and I'd lose everyone. Like my life was about it, but I was terrible at it, right? Like my life was sort of defined by basketball, which is a weird thing to define your life by. But, uh, but, um, but I was really uh, bad at it. Uh, or, uh, you know, uh, my, my daughters, they have a few purposes in life right now. One of them is to play and, and the other is to eat, right? <laughs> and so uh, uh, the, the eating is a defining moment of every day, right? Some of you have babysat them, like eating's a kind of a big deal uh, in, in our house and it's a stressful time sometimes because there's food everywhere. They're just really not very good at eating. They can't cook. Uh, uh, they can't use the microwave. They can't even get things out of the fridge. Uh, sometimes uh, when they're using the spoon, right, like 80% of the food is on their face or on their shirt or on the tray or on the floor or on the wall, right? Like they're just not good at it, but they're all about it, right? And, and, and even time, sometimes they even steal fruit, food from each other, which is not cool, right? But, but they're all about eating. Now, uh, here's the point. Uh, just because you're about something doesn't mean that you're good, good at it. Uh, just because you're about something doesn't mean that you, you do it all the time, right? Just because you're about something uh, doesn't mean that you've grown up in the maturity in those things. Like, you may be kind of bad at loving people. Like, you, you, you may be slow at making disciples. Like, maybe you've never actually made a disciple, but you'd like to, right? Uh, it, you, you may not be so good at wanting what God wants right here, right now, but it's a part of who you are. And, and, and then when... Man, when God's purpose becomes a part of who you are. You can be confident that he's working in every change in your life together for good. Man, when, when you, you fail at school, like, God is going to use that for your good. It's, it's not a good thing, but he'll use it for your good. Man, when you crash your car, not a good thing, right? But he'll use it for good. Uh, when you lose that person you cared about, not a good thing. But, man, he'll lead you somewhere good. I mean, even in the successes, you know that he'll lead you somewhere good. Now, uh, how do you know that you're, uh, you're just not good at doing his purposes, but, but it still defines your life? Because sometimes we're like, well, like, does it define my life? Because I don't do much of it. And, and the good news is, is Paul in, in Romans 8, he, he sort of describes what a person who's been called looks like. And, and just in the last, like, four, four minutes, I'd just like to look at a few of the things that he says uh, called people believe. Are you guys up for that? All right, here, here we go. 
So he says, uh, and those he predestined, predestined just means that those he, he chose or planned uh, before, right? Uh, those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he uses this word, he says, uh, he also uh, justified. And, and uh, justified simply means to be made right with God. And, and, and people who are called, being called means I believe that God has made me right with him. That's your next film. Being, being called means I believe that God has made me right with him. This is one of the ways that Paul describes called people. He, you see, he doesn't describe called people by, by what they're doing, uh, but by how they think about their relationship with him. Uh, do, do you define uh, your, uh, uh, yourself by, by what you're doing or, or by who God says you are? Uh, and God says, uh, man, uh, in Jesus we're made right with him. Uh, and, and called people they know in their bones that there are, there are no walls between them and the Lord. Uh, they know that there's no sin that can cause them to turn his face away. Uh, they, know, they know that there's uh, no depression that can keep him from uh, calling you a son or daughter. They, 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 they know that even when their life is crumbling around them, uh, that their relationship with him is rock solid. Are you with me? Uh, this is the, the def- what it means to be uh, called, to be defined uh, by God's uh, purposes, because one of the things that God desires to do for all people is to make uh, them right with him. Like, this is the thing that God wants uh, for the people that you, go, that you rub shoulders with at school. This is uh, what God wants for the people that you work with, and this is what God wants for your family. He wants them to be made right with him. And uh, the Bible says that, that uh, God did this when Jesus went to the cross, that he did a miracle, uh, that he took all of our sin, all of our junk, uh, all of our hate, all of our fear, and he put it on Jesus, right? All of those things that keep us from having a relationship with God. And, and, and then uh, he took all of Jesus' perfection, his righteousness, his, his closeness, his in- intimacy with the Father, and he put it on us. And, and that we have access to this. This is as simple as I can say it. We have access to this by faith. And, and, and the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is in charge, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, then, man, you're justified. You, you're saved. You've been made right with God. And, and can I tell you that, man, people, uh, men who, who live by faith, they know this to be true. They believe it wholeheartedly. Now, you, you may forget it sometimes. You may get distracted from it sometimes. Uh, but but here, here's how you know that you're distracted, but you believe it. It's when you, when you gather with the people of God, uh, the sons and the daughters of the kingdom, right, as the verse says, uh, man, and you hear the gospel, it, it fires you up. You, you, you celebrate. You, you remember that, that God's there, that he's, that he's, that he's always been there. You, you, you rejoice in it because you love him and you love being with him. But if you come to church and you're like, eh, maybe, maybe <laughs> I've been there, man. You're just like, I don't know about this. Yeah, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Man, if it doesn't fire you up, if it doesn't excite you, if it doesn't uh, cause delight to spring up in you, uh, then there's something uh, very, very wrong uh, in, in your heart concerning your relationship with the Lord. Like you may come, to, you may have come to church man, all your life, and and when you hear about the cross, it, it just it, you just you think, man, man, that is man, that is not a person uh, who whose life has been defined by the purpose of God, because because the thing that God wants more than anything uh, from you is a relationship, a relationship. He wants to know you and for you to know him. Here's the last thing. Uh, Paul describes called people another way. He says, uh, for those God foreknew, he uh, also 
uh, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And and being called means this. I I want God to make me more like his son. I want God to make me more like his son. Uh, And and so being called doesn't mean you're a great preacher. Being being called doesn't mean, uh, man, you always love people. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Uh, It it means uh, becoming something specific. Uh, it, it means becoming more like Jesus. It, it's, it's really more a trajectory uh, than it is um, uh, a calling. You know, we think um, a lot of times when we become Christians that we should get it all right away, that we should go the whole journey all at once. But no journey happens that way, right? Like you, you, don't, you, you don't walk uh, 10 miles in one minute. It's like not how it works. It takes time. But, but man, uh, people who uh, are called, they're, 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 being, uh, they're being called means that, man, they, they just want God to make them more like his son. And, and man, throughout your life, if you're allowing God to, to grow up the fruits of the spirit, that these things that define and characterize Jesus' ministry, man, that's a mark that you have been called. Are you with me? Uh, so if your life is marked by the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if these things are growing, not just one of them, but, but all of them, if, if all these things are growing, man, then you're a person that, that God is at work in, that God is uh, conforming into the likeness of his son, right? That, that God has justified and is glorifying. Now, um, to, to, just to summarize, uh, if, if you want to be confident that God is at work in your life, and the hard changes, and the fun changes, and the uncertain changes. Man, it all starts with this. It starts with, man, uh, having a, an affection for who he is. And, and that happens when we, when we look at the person of Jesus at, at the cross and, and in the resurrection. We get to know who the, the God uh, of the Bible is. And it grows affection in us. And, and when, when we have affection for the Lord, we know that he's working for our good uh, simply because, man, we, we want what he has to offer and the second thing is this, man, when we're called, uh, when we're called, and we know that we're called because, man, our relationship with God is right, and, and we see that he's working things out in us. Now, uh, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll worship uh, together one more time. Uh, if, you, um, if you're a person and you're like, man, I'm not sure I do love the Lord. Uh, I'm not sure that I do have affection for him. Um, man, it's being confident in the midst of change, knowing that God is at work in your life. It starts, it starts there. It starts with loving him. And, and if you're here and you're thinking, uh, man, pastor, I don't want to look at God. I don't, I don't want to read his word. I just want to go home, watch Netflix. I want to unwind. I want to hang with my friends. Um, I just want to eat and work on me. If there's any desire, man, to, to, to know him, to love him, uh, then you can pray this, this promise from scripture in Deuteronomy 30. Uh, God says that he'll change your heart. And so you, you can pray this just in your own heart to yourself along with me. Lord, change my heart. Help me to love you with all my heart and soul so that I may live and all things may work together for my good. Have mercy on me that I may love you. And, and, and Father God, for those that are here tonight, God, uh, and they're just going through difficult changes, man, they're, they're experiencing, man, people choosing things for them that they never wanted uh, to, to do or to, to go places they never wanted to go. I pray, God, that you would strengthen them, that you would remind them that, man, you carry them, 
that because, uh, because of their love for you, because of their calling by you, uh, they can be confident that uh, even though it's painful now that you're at work in their life, God, would you, uh, man, would you grow our affection for you? Uh, God, would you grow our confidence that, that we're, our relationship is right with you, not based on what we've done, but on who you are? Uh, God, and, and would you help us to live by faith in, in, in those things? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.